0: Hi Tom.
1: Hey Heron. So I'm recording this through my phone, uh, which has Skype on it. So let me know how are my levels oh, how you am I s- sounding.
0: You sound fine. Good. Terrific. And clear. Okay.
1: Yeah. Let's let's run with it then. Okay. <laughs> because yes. Anyway, so um, I have a, a list of uh, potential <laughs> show topics for this evening and <clears throat> uh, sorry.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. A i'm problems. just dying of something here but i I will survive
1: very good, very good so since we last talked do you have any uh, do you have any topics you want to raise uh,
0: well, a couple of sentences just came to my mind as I was sitting here that i think um, well i 'm just going to throw them out and then we'll just see where it goes from there and I was talking about cleaning up my thinking about you know my obsession with cleaning up the language machine, mine anyway, (laughs) and my suggestion that other people should do the same thing. Um, It it occurred to me this evening that I I really see that kind of as a duty for teachers, especially in the so-called spiritual movement, because as enlightened as those teachers may be, uh, if if they continue to, to use the old ways of talking about it, relying on their charisma to get across, well, you can see how effective they've been. (laughs) Not very. And so I'm beginning to see it as, like, really a a sort of um, a duty of of the so-called spiritual community to really start policing their language, because even if they know what they're talking about, their listeners are making entirely different stories out of it. So that's one thing. Uh, Do you have anything to say, or should I just list a couple of other things?
1: Well, again, I think this is the other distinction. I mean, you were talking about things that you consider yourself to be important, but to try and convey that to, I guess, what you're talking about as a spiritual teacher here is a very interesting movement from your own justification to some external justification that you then need to use to describe to someone else, and I think the the difficulty, really, I was I was listening to um, your talk with Susanna recently, oh yeah, and she the whole delight, notion <laughs> the whole notion that you are um, you are a teacher to some and a person to others.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's confusing. The, yeah. It confuses me.
1: <laughs> so when you are talking to someone who is a spiritual teacher, from what you've described, you either need to c- approach them from the perspective that you are also a teacher an educator, or you need to ex- g- give them some introduction which will explain to them how what you have to offer will show them immediate or near immediate. Oh, yeah. oh, I know
0: what I need to do. No, you're absolutely right. It's just uh, I'm just
1: stating yeah. that out loud yeah, in order no, to frame a, the conversation. Yeah.
0: That's that's absolutely and I think that can probably be done at least in a way that satisfies me. Now whether anyone else will respond to it, that's questionable.
1: Well that's that's my point. I mean yeah. this is what you this is your aim here. Your aim is not to satisfy yourself, but actually to have an impact on another which We'll
0: let, let carry oh, okay, some yeah to, to to well, I want to up. attract some people uh, who are speakers and influencing other people to uh, pay attention to some some of these things in language. yeah, you're right I, Well I think I can I can probably say that in not too many words. Well, I'd be interested in anything you you have to say. I mean, I don't want to go, go into all the details. I mean, we can go into the details of this if you'd like later, but let me I've just got all these ideas I wanted to dump out here. Can I do that first? Certainly. Okay, just to get them off my chest. Um, looking for answers in the wrong places. I'm just reading this. How can we be sure we are looking in the right domain to solve a type of problem we are facing? It helps to be aware that there are more than one domain to search, invention and discovery being two. Um,
1: They're two separate domains or they're the same domain?
0: No, two different
1: domains.
0: uh, Okay. There are, like, uh, you know, if you get in a boat and sail off into the unknown and bump into an island that nobody had bumped into, it was there before you got there and uh, you discovered it. But mathematical formulas are not there to be discovered. They're inventions. They don't exist anywhere but in human symbolism. And so well, those...
1: Well, did you say that? Or do I think they exist... I mean, it could be argued that they exist independently of human symbolism. No, and... it couldn't
0: be argued that way at all. Not, not, if, not for the word exist to be a meaningful concept. They mm. are a sequence of symbols. And without those symbol domains, there is nothing. Mm, I don't think well, that's outside, uh... well, I mean, there there is more, but that's what I'm saying. It's not the same domain that that island was in. It's a, it's a different domain. The rules are different there, and the approach to knowledge in this domain is very different than it is in the domain of discovery. That's why it's important to make this distinction.
1: Well, I think that's probably why I had the problem with the distinction, because I certainly, maybe not in immediate English, but I can see particularly the more people study in mathematics and the more the more uh, well, forms that they're exposed to within mathematics, I see them being quite similar, if not identical. I think it's more... Well, I mean, it just shows
0: you just how seriously dysfunctional your language machine is in these areas. <laughs> Sorry, I understand.
1: Oh, I would say, I would say no. The same is true with you. Oh, of I think you mathematically, would say that. You're, yes. you're, you're you're clearly mathematically dysfunctional. If I'm linguistically dysfunctional, I mean, <laughs> now where problem. are we? We've just called each other dysfunctional. I no, mean, I don't.
0: I'll own up to that. <laughs> so... No, well, actually, I, think I wasn't actually interested in arguing. I'm not even arguing against your point of view. See, that thing is, you okay. to see that there's some sort of dis- argument between uh, different ways of looking at it. I'm just suggesting that making this distinction can be very helpful on, in certain circumstances.
1: Okay, but here's, here's the problem. If you were to say discovering an island and then rather than touching on mathematics, which is obviously a sore point with regards to me, you touched on some kind of spiritual discovery, then if you were talking to various spiritual teachers, they may feel just as passionately about it as I do about mathematics and thus the distinction doesn't really hold true in their view either. I mean, I think this is important that when you start creating these apparent distinctions, or at least distinctions that are clear within your own mind, you don't actively alienate people that don't see those distinctions, because then I have studied in the particular yeah. areas. Or no, have I understand. Particular.
0: That's, this is so, a standard yeah. uh, reaction to it. it. I mean, you're right. This is part of the five stupidities thing. In in a sense, um yeah, I agree. You're right. Learning how to say these things so it doesn't touch people off and get them locked into some sort of contradictory stories about things. I would be, I'd do well to be able to avoid that.
1: Yes. So maybe, okay. So rather than putting out distinctions initially associated with things that you see as being different, let's move on from wait, that. Wait, point. Let me, no, of- no,
0: for, no, let me, let me say something first of all. You're, you're assuming that these things, these ideas I'm throwing out are, are things that I've actually, thought out. These are just some words I wrote down before I came on here uh, that I think okay. are interesting and and, okay. and worthy of some exploration. But I certainly don't I mean I think this is really an important distinction and, and a useful one and um but exactly what I'm going to do with that, I've got a clue. I don't even care. I just thought it was an interesting distinction.
1: <laughs> so when a child discovers its belly button versus, say, an, a, a, an explorer discovering an island, these are still yeah, when, unique and novel. Um,
0: well, you can you can usually find cases that that you know that are ambiguous. But um,
1: yeah. I, anyway, me, moving on from this point.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we can come back to it what you've me.
1: written down. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, I'm tr- and I'm. Uh, you've probably been getting the same thing I've been getting for the last six months, I guess. Or I don't know. Maybe you never look at your spam, but I look at my spam occasionally, and some of it gets through the filter. And I'm and I'm getting all these things from people who have seen my profile. <laughs> have, mm. have you been getting these?
1: I I got an email about nine asking to explain. Uh, I could see nine eleven occurring through jet fuel, but that was from my discussion with KMO. Yeah. That's the only, so and that wasn't even spam. That was from a musician in Berkeley, California. Oakland, California, rather.
0: So you never see spam. I, I'm, a, I'm in the
1: interesting position where I'm not even clear if the email that I'm supposed to receive is spam or not. I mean, I think basically my threshold for spam is I get a lot of Arabic spam. I get a lot of what looks like possibly some Eastern European language yeah. and a lot of Russian spam. Oh, yeah, so I have, I have, have clearly yeah. confused the spam bots. Of the other email that I receive, um, I don't know. What, what kind of
0: spam are you receiving, here? Well, no, this, well this, it's just this one particular kind. I mean, I, I get 20 a day from different people. I'll read. Mm-hmm. I'll read you this one because it's mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, let me see. It's in her name. It's from a girl, of course, mm-hmm. whose name is Victoria Stormy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: that sounds like one of your prior against yeah, yeah. And
0: the subject is, I saw your profile, Heron, and it's all lowercase. Yeah. Good too. So I thought, oh, nice. <laughs> you know, she didn't capitalize. Uh-huh. And then it says, Hi, I just saw your profile picture. It doesn't say where. Um, is it possible we get to know each other? I, blah blah blah. I'm 23 years old uh, and a very loving, caring, and honest girl please uh, mail me so that I can send you my pictures I hope you like them and, and a couple more lines and then there's did I
1: ask you to sign the photos I got that spam recently no. that said I'm I'm your I'm one of your biggest fans I've been following your posts Podcasts for years. No, I, not, uh that's not
0: spam. That's not what I mean. Spam is. Commercial. Oh, it is spam. No, I, I googled no,
1: I, it. No, I googled it, and this is very definitely spam. This is identity theft spam.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So, but anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah. Well, anyway,
0: continue. it's just um, you know, but read and that. So that's the text of it. So mm-hmm. What what triggered me? I mean, normally I don't even read. Uh, I don't even read these things. For some reason, I oh, I saw Victoria Stormy, and I thought that's a good name. Let me read this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but what I, as I sat here, as I'm trying to, to imagine the delusion underlying some poor language monkey that would respond to this. I mean, somebody must be responding to this or they wouldn't be doing it. And, and so I'm, therefore, I'm, I'm thinking... Have you heard the
1: statistic associated with spam? though? It's slightly more lucrative than stealing hubcaps.
0: Well, the fact that it's lucrative is all is astounding. Well, is
1: stealing hubcaps lucrative?
0: Well, I that's guess if the, you steal the, the right relation. hubcaps. Well, if you steal the right hubcaps, yeah. <laughs> You know, Ferrari and Maserati, and <laughs> I think it's relatively generic
1: up-caps, there.
0: No, I mean, <laughs> oh, really, oh, and the, that's low class upcap thievery. Yeah,
1: that's exactly my point. I mean, that's what spam is—it's low class up-cap thievery well, that's well, supported but, by well, that so, Continue. So, well,
0: the question is then: How? What percent? Do you think anybody? Can you imagine? That's what I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to imagine what would provoke somebody to respond to that. I mean, I can't. I can only imagine. Some wretched I I don't know. I just can't imagine
1: I think you have invested way, way too much time in but let me make no, this no, point no, I'm trying again. to understand. If you, what send, what that, if you send that to a hundred million people, you would probably get maybe five to ten thousand responses, which is all I need.
0: Well, but that's a five or ten thousand people are out walking around in the streets whose brains are that diluted.
1: You need to move to Las Vegas. You just get on the roads here and you get the sense of people texting and emailing as they're driving. It's
0: just, it's just, (laughs) it just amazes me. That's all. As I read that, I thinking, you know, there's, there are thousands Remember of people. Remember last
1: week when, we played, when you played that
0: YouTube clip with the guy
1: trying to pitch me on the Noble Ape site that's related to someone mm, who's yeah, related to someone? Yeah. I mean, look, look, these people are out there,
0: and I wouldn't waste uh, too much no, time. I no, mean, I, mean, I don't waste too much. It's just that when I run into it, you know, it always yeah. strikes me. I think there's something important there, though. I think that those people are not much different than most of the people out there. They're just like a, a, a prime case of something that we all suffer from. And, and is polluting our culture. And it's think, easier to see no, in I, them <laughs> than it is in the guys that go to work every day, at, you know, at the laundromat. Mm, I think, well, I guess this is the
1: whole notion that if you look at an autistic child, you can see the whole population fundamentally. I, 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 <laughs> yes. I think it, yeah. that's slightly... that. Slightly, I would much rather look at working on something that would at least a solid digit number minority as opposed to a small fraction. And I think the reality is if you look at a variety of crimes, I consider spam a crime. I think it's a Absolutely. crime. The yeah. fact that there is – the fact that because – the crime are, um, against
0: um, intelligence.
1: No. I, no, I think it's <laughs> – I think the fact that – Spam has not been listed as a crime, and the fact that there are various industries like the leafletters of the U.S. and what have you that actively lobby in, in, in Washington to yeah. stop spam from being an actual crime, and the fact that the corporations, I mean, occasionally Microsoft or these kind of corporations will go out after spammers but the fact that it's a crime is firstly a cultural anomaly associated with this country, because it sure as well didn't exist to the extent that it exists here in, in places like, well, a, a, anywhere else in the world. Really, but basically, aside yeah. from the U.S. Spam is a U.S. cultural <laughs> that's, phenomenon that's which has now been broadcast to broadcasted the world over electronically. <laughs> I think it's a crime. I don't think we need to invest any time in this stuff. And really what you're looking at here are really the margins of society here. Yeah. And
0: yeah. I don't I know.
1: I, I can't see that there's anything... You were talking about getting information out to spiritual leaders. And no, somehow this is coming of from the spam notion. So no, how no, do you no, be... no,
0: that. Uh, it's all the same thing. No, it's not. No, that had nothing okay. to do with the spam thing. Uh, okay. That was just no. I had like three or four ideas that just popped into my head while I was doing some stuff here, and that's why I wrote them down. So, so okay. I just I'd throw them out. <laughs> Apparently, it's. So the cultural
1: enough. leaders. The cultural. The, the, the spiritual leader stuff. Let's go back to that, because I think that was okay. the start.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's there are a lot of. I don't know what else to call them, but enlightened people around these days, you know. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know,
1: this is the antithesis of the narrative that we've had so far from you there. Well,
0: I say a lot, I mean, you know, two percent of the population. No, 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 no—a millionth of one percent. I can think of maybe thirty or forty people. Okay, is that a lot for you? Yeah, yeah, I've never really been conscious of, of more than one or two people uh in my life who were alive at the time who I thought had much to teach me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> saying something about me, but but in any case that was how I felt and now I see an abundance of teachers out there who have obviously <laughs> had the same experiences that that can't be talked about and yet Continue to talk about it.
1: That <laughs> can't be too okay. So, in terms of the experiences that can't be talked about, this is some extension of our conversation last well, week uh, falling down well, the or way what I, no, The
0: way I talk about it is waking up from the trance of language, breaking the the identification with the language machine. That's not the way these people would talk about it. They use words like enlightened or awakening and, and those kinds of words, which. I'm okay with, but I think they're really misleading in some ways. And, yeah. And they've got a lot of baggage going with them that that needs to be dumped.
1: Doesn't that go against what you've just said, though, about them being enlightened people? I mean, but certainly what you're describing here is people – I mean, when – I know there are, there are people that are wise in particular areas, but the addition of baggage and additional complexity and these kind of things – Tend to, I mean, maybe maybe it's my own personal perception, but precludes them from people that I would want to learn from in all areas, maybe in their specific areas, which is probably what you're saying. All
0: areas, I'm talking about these these so-called. A lot lot of it comes from an Eastern, you know, or Buddhist tradition. I mean, Uh it almost all is sort of centered one way or another on Buddhism. I mean, Uh Eckhart Tolle, you're familiar with him, I assume. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a good example, I think. Okay. Now, uh, have you ever heard him or read him? Uh,
1: I think I have. I'm just trying to think in terms of what context. Um, well,
0: he only anyway, continue. well, it's just, if, it's just you have to. I, it's one of those things that I think you either respond to it or you don't, you know? And uh, there are certain people that I respond to uh, with what appears, what feels like some sort of recognition of having experienced something. Uh, that is outside of our cultural linguistic explanations.
1: And I think certainly the listeners to this podcast are very receptive to that. I mean, truth be told, today we turned on NPR while I was driving to lunch with my wife. We turned on NPR. They were still doing this funding drive, and I played her Stone Ape instead. I mean, I think people can hear that in the way that you speak about Terence McKenna and, and various other. So, I mean, I think you certainly convey that.
0: So it's frustrating for me when I, when I realize that they, or I imagine anyway, that they have experienced the same things I have experienced, but they're still using the old linguistic modes. And although they're attracting audiences and they're acclaimed all over the world, they're not producing much enlightenment. Mm. You know, because all of the people if you if you've had the experience if you were once sighted and then lost your sight well someone could talk to you about it but if you've never seen then no language is going to go there mm. and the problem is the listeners to these people all they have is the language that they're hearing and and the you know the vibes <laughs> you know that sort of stuff but but um all they have is the language and then they take those words and turn it into something completely different than what the speaker is doing or at least thinks he's doing because he's still using the same old language to say and they still use words like mind over and over again. It's so frustrating to hear that shit.
1: I understand. I understand. Testified. Yes, I I hear exactly what you're saying. I guess we've had some discussion previously about this notion of language and only language versus aspects of uh, experience and these kind of things. And I think our discussion last week associated with falling down is important because the notion of falling down and the response to that isn't a linguistic response. It's actually something which is maybe not even connected with language i mean the way that it's embodied maybe you're talking through about the physical language
0: to tripping you mean
1: no, no, falling down meaning just deciding to give up on certain things or ah. removing oneself from certain things or responding to certain situations, be it sickness, be it death, be it the things that occur oh, in the... Oh, e- yeah.
0: oh that, by breaking... I, I, I was thinking of like a breakdown. Is that, that You're breaking like, down, yeah. breaking
1: down, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. I got you. So yeah. I guess my sense is that when these people... I mean, for example, when Terence McKenna spoke to audiences, he had a pretty broad sense that he was speaking to... Uh, an upper middle class group, typically. And the stuff that he utilized and the stuff that he discussed and a lot of the, um, you know, parts of his conversation had this assumption that he was speaking to a relative, obviously, particularly the paying audiences. They'd paid a certain amount of money to come and hear him speak. They got a sense that they were at a particular point in their life. And you can see this even in his speaking techniques mm. that they were, he was very receptive to that. And I think yeah. that's true of all the people that you were speaking about possibly maybe not all of them but a the majority of them perhaps they
0: find I, they find an audience exactly <laughs> yes but i think there are elements of that which
1: are not it's true that they may all have the same uh, mode of language mode of thinking mode of speaking just aspect behind them but i don't necessarily think that that's the case for all audiences and I think there are when you hear these things when you hear them referring to the mind or things that cause you...
0: I I never said all
1: No, 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 I'm not saying all. I didn't I disconnected from saying all too, Heron I stepped back from saying all.
0: Oh, okay I thought you just said that. No,
1: (laughs) no No, what I said is that basically the, when you hear you see the mind isn't the mind as it's misused may actually speak to a particular audience. I think there may be some element where you are just not the ideal i mean you you're um f- from what you were saying and what you've thought about and the place that you, you come to these speakers you are probably no longer their intended audience
0: well uh, yeah i don't think i'm their audience either i agree with you but i can see that they have a huge following and and that they're talking about enlightenment, and that it looks to me like what they end up doing is perpetuating a bunch of followers instead of a bunch of enlightened people.
1: Mm. And so, isn't that's that's actually you coming to a very important point of detracting what enlightenment means to you? Isn't it? Because you see these people initially as being enlightened. And then the more time you spend actually looking at their modes of interacting and what they say and the language that they use, you start to realize that they're what what you've previously seen as oh, being enlightenment enlightened in these people. No,
0: no, I still think they're enlightened. I don't think being enlightened makes you any smarter, though. Are any more aware of language unless you have it pointed out to you and actually do something about it? No, that's that's a separate issue. You don't, Just because you get enlightened doesn't all of a sudden make you a genius. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess what you appear to have been deconstructing is the notion of your initial perspective with regards to these people, and then when you actually listen to them more and No, no, when you no, become-
0: no, you, no, you've misinterpreted what the, the context, been, I'm just saying that I've noticed over, I've been involved in the, you know, Eastern philosophical tradition for a long time, so I've I've observed it and been around it for a long time, and this is just what I've noticed. I don't think it's out of, I don't think they're being evil and trying to build cults and, I mean maybe, maybe some people are, but I, I think that they uh, are comfortable talking in certain ways. They grew up talking in certain ways. They got enlightened and they found the best language they could to talk about it from the tradition. And the tradition is just not good enough anymore. The way they've been talking about it for the last 5,000 years clearly doesn't work. You know, if it worked, we'd have a planet full of enlightened beings, but we don't.
1: Mm. Mm. Again, this appears to be you deconstructing what their enlightenment means or what your perception of their initial enlightenment means in a long-term context
0: to you. Well, listen, I don't even know what the hell the word enlightenment means. I mean, that's what I'm saying, is one of those words. That's exactly the point yeah, that I'm yeah, making. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way I talk about it, I don't use it. I talk about waking up from the language trance. Mm-hmm. But you say these enough.
1: people are so heavily intoxicated in the language trance in terms of their ability and need to get followers through this language trance game that they seem mm-hmm. to be playing, that this is kind of causing you your own internal problems in in looking at them. I mean, you seem to see that there is a need for them to um, maybe become a student or maybe learn from aspects of what you're trying to give.
0: Yeah, I think they could be more effective. (laughs) I think they could see more people uh, waking up and saying thank you and going on about their lives. Mm. Yeah, I think they could be a lot more effective.
1: Do you think these people are uh, inherently risk-averse? In that circumstance, well, I though? think
0: there's certainly uh, inertia involved in that, uh, you know, and that's just sort of a natural part of systems. They got something that's working. Why screw around with it?
1: They exactly. Lots of people, so did,
0: you know, they got seminars and yeah. retreats exactly. in nice places. Yeah. Why the hell would yeah. they fuck around with that? Exactly.
1: <laughs> so this is what you. This is this is the project. This is what you need to. You need to have something which will overcome that. Yeah, I know. I have to
0: have a a coherent enough argument, a seek, a string of language that will influence their language machine. It has to be so cogent and on target and terse that it'll cut through the bullshit and say what needs to be said. And I can't do that yet. Okay. So that's the project. But but I'm working on it though. I mean, that's what I've been working on for years. Really, I would, I would think that, you know, one or two really good sentences at the right time, could change the course of history. You know? I mean, they have. I mean, that, that certainly is, is true. Mm.
1: Yes, I guess when I think of Winston Churchill in particular in that regard, yeah. he said a lot of sentences. Yeah. <laughs> so it is true that one or two sentences at the right point can change human history, but you need to say a lot of sentences and then mysteriously those sentences will be found. They need to be recorded
0: and somebody has to propagate them and all sorts of (laughs) things. Well, we're already doing that, Aaron. Well, that's exactly it. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) We may have already said it, but we don't know that we've said it. Only historians will look back and say, see, there's the first time they actually said that. Mm. They didn't even have a clue what the hell they were talking about. Hmm. So yes. So I, guess. I guess I'm – oh, yeah, one more thing about your, your, <laughs> the word you use, heronisms. <laughs> and I want to say that I object to that because – Oh, I love it. I know you do. I know you do. But you use it as a sort of dismissive. And I oh. I agree that there are certainly phrases that I use over and over again in all sorts of situations. But I don't use them, you know, lightly. I mean, when
1: you very... get angry, you do. Well, and when, no, I even... no. when I use the term Heronisms, when I use the term, in my defence, Heron. when I use the term herenisms, it is because you start a trance, a, a linguistic trance, ah, yes, where yeah. you start layering these things on in order to, yes. at a point where I think probably pausing for understanding is probably. Well,
0: what I would suggest yeah. is that you let me go with it for a while. <laughs> But it seems to, I don't know, well, I mean, know. Why when... not I let you go on with your stories for minutes <laughs> on end? <laughs> yes, it is true, it is true. So I please, think... uh, get, assume that just because you may not know where I'm going, and, and that I may not know where I'm going, that the universe might actually take it someplace interesting. And
1: if it but it's those
0: to... damn stupid
1: language monkeys, Heron. They just don't get it. I mean, you know, that's, well, that's why we shouldn't even problem. engage with them. Well, I, it's, right. Exactly. This is, this is the whole, this is the Heronism narrative. It's a pushback. It's a linguistic pushback that you use not to explore something.
0: So no, 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 I if, am exploring. I just don't think I'm there yet. I think I have work to do. I don't think I'm in a position to market anything right now.
1: So my use of the term Heron, my use of the term Heronisms
0: comes at points where
1: you just get into this kind of linguistic trance associated no, that's not, with... No,
0: that's your idea of what it is, but that's not my experience of it. The minute I use the word language machine as a dismissal of some kind of behavior that you're talking about, you just dismiss it as a mere Heronism when I think it speaks directly to the issue. Well, but it's used for you, but you use it to dismiss. The whole notion of
1: the language monkey and the language machine and the fact that 99.999% of the population isn't worth interacting with because they're just language oh, monkeys, yeah, and yeah, this yeah. this element is just dismissive.
0: Yeah, it is. That's, that's probably not necessary.
1: But it's part of it. So when I you know. start with that, yeah, exactly, but when you start with that, it just mm-hmm. continues, and it continues, and there's no actual learning that I can see coming through oh, that. Okay, it might be something yeah, where because, you need to yeah. come to
0: a point of resolution, I got it. but you're just saying. Okay, I got it. So that's, Well, but one my experience, is to I someone. guess, has been that unless something – yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be saying those things, I guess, if I didn't think that they hadn't been gotten yet. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> – maybe that's it
1: yeah I mean, I think you know there's there's an interesting narrative that's coming through this in terms of the uh, there's an element of pain and almost anguish mm-hmm. the hair in a sense and I think if I allow you to go through that catharsis, process, which it clearly is in your own mind, that you won't actually access the the pain and resolution component of the pain so I mean if I choose to cut you off there, it's mainly because from my perspective. I, I, don't, I, I consider the notion of the heronism a luxury. It's a luxury which you've created for yourself, which enables you to put up blinkers, realize the whole world's stupid, they're not enlightened, now, screw that's them. that's your
0: head. That's, that's your interpretation. I do that sometimes. I'm not suggesting that that's not part of what I do. But I don't do that nearly as much as you seem to think. You never let it go far enough to find out where it's going. Well,
1: with all due respect, air. I mean, yeah. the, the recent the recent use of Heronisms has been with regards to my family and people that I've had interaction ah. with that you've never had any interaction with. Mm. So when you start ascribing things to people that I know who may have their own foibles and may be stupid or what have you in, in, in particular contexts, irrespective of what I may say in this forum, I still think there are aspects that you are not totally grasping. Absolutely, and I... Think that, and I that
0: I wouldn't quarrel with that at all. And I would suggest that rather than dismissing my use of uh, language monkeys, to to then uh, question it specifically and say, well, specifically, what are we talking Let me tell you about Uncle Bill, <laughs> you know, or X, mm-hmm. and, and use that as a springboard into something uh, worth talking about, rather than just saying, ah, another Heronism.
1: Well, that's typically... I mean, if you go back and listen, that's typically what I've done. The Heronism part is to stop you from going into this linguistic trance that you get into, and then we go back and actually talk about... I mean, that if you go back historically and listen to where I've said, you know, let's hold the Heronism here... No, you've that's actually listened to these done.
0: things more than I have, so... Yeah, yes. I, I, so, I, don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so in the, I mean, in the context of our conversation, and listeners can go back and listen... That is typically – and on some occasions, I've allowed you to riff with the Heronism stuff for, you know, five, ten, how many minutes. But I think with regards to – and it's very true. I mean, what you've described in terms of my need for storytelling uh, is something which is very real, but it's also something that I've had positive feedback on both from listeners – but also internally. And one of the points that I wanted to make through listening to our previous discussions and a long, reflective story is the perspective of uh, my family with regards to these uh, idiots that destroyed the piano. And when I left mm. Australia, I was, the, I was listening to last week's um, program because it was pointed out by a listener that um, a fellow by the name Bob Mottram, actually, um, I think he's in Yorkshire, uh, in the UK, uh, a noble 8 developer and also fan of the Stone 8 podcast. So let me give a shout out him at this point. Listening back to the stuff associated, particularly with the end of the period where I left Australia, I left my family with a lot of shit. I left my family with a lot of assholes who basically were contacting them and doing a whole lot of nonsense, and I completely disregarded that because I had left the country. And listening back to the audio, that impacted on me very strongly that through whatever else I was going on when I left Australia completely disregarded the impact that this had on my fifteen year old brother and my mother and wide variety of other folk who yeah. had to deal with these deranged assholes. So I think the the element of listening back to these things and getting some reflective note was certainly we certainly picked up on that particular point. Uh, but I have a list of things. Do you have do you have anything else you'd like to talk about?
0: Um, nope. That was it.
1: So I've covered the understanding of familial hate based on that. There was an interesting point also from last week. When I learnt French, I um, made a conscious decision not to speak it with a French accent. And this is something which really rubbed my teachers very heavily the wrong way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. But I also
1: found that it was completely ridiculous to speak a, another language with a fake accent. It just seemed really repressive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came up through the discussion. The interesting thing that came through the well, whole thing that we did Do want to talk like, about
0: that in particular? Because I certainly have some opinions about that. Let's As go instance, for it. I teach English pronunciation. It's all yours. Well, What's it, your thinking, Heron? Well, I think uh, that we learn to hear language long before we read or write it in that uh, real language is for the ear and the mouth. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't learn to speak it, well, is it, it, you gotta hear it first. You know, I mean, cause if you actually go there, well I guess you have, you've been in France and used your French. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you speak it uh, with no attempt at a at a French
1: no term. And I use it in times of conflict and in times okay. where basically and I have to And use. they
0: understand you, okay, mm-hmm. no problem, and you understand mm-hmm. all of them. Well, then you're. Uh, people have good.
1: trouble understanding me here, Heron. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Under-
0: but, but if you can get by... But no,
1: Frank, no, I'm right right saying now. that the, the notion of do they have trouble understanding you? Uh, people have trouble understanding me in Australia. Everywhere yeah. I've lived, people have had trouble understanding me. Yeah. That's not to do with the way that you speak the language, uh, it's to do with basically the way people hear you.
0: Well, it, it's, it's both, actually. But you're right, it's, it's not one or the other, it's both.
1: Anyway, continue.
0: Well, it, it's just I think, um, well, from, from, from what I've seen, see, I, and that's all I can do is talk about the students that I've had, is that uh, until they learn to hear the language properly, they are really at sea in America. I've talked, you know, taught Koreans who have been here for 20 years who can read and write, you know, sort of okay, but they can't get on the phone and order a pizza and they can't talk to anybody and they don't understand anything anybody says. And the large part of it is because they don't actually hear language. They don't hear English the way I do and they have to be taught that. And I think that's absolutely crucial for them to become members of the English speaking community but you're not you were not interested in becoming a member of a linguistic community so much as learning french to right i mean you did you ever plan well, on moving to France and living there for
1: well let's explore i mean you need to explore but let's let's i want to i want to move back to the this notion of Koreans moving to the u s learning to speak English and then hearing the way English is spoken mm-hmm. because that certainly hasn't been my experience traveling or coming here or I I come from the English-speaking community. And the issues associated with hearing and being heard with English, I pause, I talk slowly, I introduce the fact that I have an accent by typically having some greeting or something which indicates that I come from another place. And then I speak slowly, I make eye contact, I do a wide variety of things to try to emphasise the points that I'm saying. There is a group of people, irrespective of the world over they will just panic as soon as they hear anything that is even slightly different oh, yeah. than what they're expecting. Yeah, And
0: those people, irrespective
1: of how I speak...
0: Yeah, there's nothing you can do about them. Exactly. Move
1: on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. So I but, think there's, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a combination of things. Yeah, no. The problem of-
0: is that Koreans have different hearing mechanisms, filters built into their brains. They cannot actually hear the difference between the word bin and the word bean to them that's the same sound because they're so close that in, in in Korean that distinction doesn't change the meaning of a word so they just in, so when they hear language uh, their 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 brain is parsing it differently it, it's just you know it's not prime their their knowledge of the language is not in the ear yet it's only in reading and writing and words and stuff mm. and and they are hopeless you know, until mm. they learn to hear,
1: mm. and then. They, but I had the same problem learning Mandarin. I mean, I think the the nature of the way we hear as well is similarly flawed for other languages. Too. Oh, sure,
0: it goes everywhere. So, Anybody learning a second language, yes, mm. yeah, because, especially Chinese. Yes, that's yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's got all sorts of dimensions <laughs> that are exactly. non existent in yep. English. So, yeah, that, that's real problem.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a very curious thing. But returning to the notion of learning French, yes. um, which I guess you've read my early writing, but that was my experience uh, in a French class kind of written down. The, my experience learning French was that my mother and my grandparents had learned French, and it was a big thing to learn French. Barbelet is a created name. It was from my father's side of the family. It was Barbelat. I'm not in any way French. But um, learning French for me was something that I absolutely hated, but had to do. And it was something that I did for maybe three years of my life. And it was an experience where I picked up the language, as with Bahasa, the Malaysian Indonesian language. But um, I guess I can watch French films and things like that, but I'm only able to speak it properly when I'm actually in France being confronted with renting a car or getting into a restaurant that is completely empty but mysteriously they're saying all the tables are booked and all these kind of experiences that one actually has within a country, very similar to my speaking Bahasa, um, which means that it exists in some part of my mind which is fundamentally repressed. So my whole experience learning French uh, wasn't particularly... but I did see it very much in this perspective, of the people that taught us French were, for example, the longest period, I was taught French by an English speaker initially, and then we had a woman who had grown up on the German-French border, and if you know anything about the German-French border, some of the time it's in Germany, some of the time it's in France, some of the time it's in Germany, some of the time it's in France, basically, over the past, well, certainly from the First World War to the Second World War. And she had been, I guess, a young child through the Second World War and had various uh, emotional um, ties and issues associated with those experiences. So the way that she taught French was very uh, particular. I had a lot of respect for the woman, but the notion that we had to embody her own neuroses associated with accental differences and all this kind of stuff didn't overwhelming for me at the time. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so that was my learning of, of French. Uh, and I think
0: well, in I like the con- attitude. I mean, the idea of refusing to learn the accent, I think, is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Beck, can you say something for me? Uh, je m'appelle Tom. French? I mean, je m'appelle Tom. Oh, that sounds, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot more French sounding <laughs> than I was expecting.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, put me in a situation here and get me... <laughs> With, with my, I guess, what was she at the time? My fiancé, you know, trying to get a rental car or when they refused to serve her because she's an American and all the kind of crap that one experiences when one's in provincial France, and then I can really speak French with some passion. But, um, no, it's one of these strange, strange. things. same with German, actually. I learned far less German, although I've, I've read German uh, since technical German and philosophical German. And I have exactly the same experience with German. Uh Slightly more stilted than my speaking of French. But, yeah, anyway, so that was the, that was the French accent thing. The main thing that came through um, our discussion last week was that um, I hadn't really talked. I think about what we do in very much in the public form, Heron. Um, so particularly with regards to the stuff associated with the family and the Heronisms and things like that, I think about what we're doing here, not just two people talking, but also me talking to people that I know and people that I don't know. And a wide variety of people that I have no control over. It's almost a kind of therapeutic yeah, thing yeah. that we are doing here. And the
0: thing that struck Listen, me I'm was I'm aware I, of that, but I'm certainly not. I'm here 100% with you. I honestly, I really. I understand. Yeah, you know. So I, that's really a mm-hmm. big difference because you've always got a part of you that's that's monitoring this uh, from a th- sort of distance, which yeah, yeah. And
1: so there have been various emotional periods in my life that I don't necessarily want to touch on. And the period associated with the piano was a very big period in my life like that. It's not something that I talk about publicly. It's not something I really think about. And in doing our discussion last week and in listening back to it, I've realized that I have, and also because I'm finishing this 1993 writing, that I can now start uh, analyzing a period of time in my life that I really don't talk about, and that was the time Mm. where I moved to the U.S. initially. So going back (coughs) this weekend, I went back and I collected together all... Well, I couldn't find all the emails that I'd sent, but I found seven months' worth of emails that I sent over that period, and through Lulu, the company that I've used to do all the self-publishing demo stuff so far, I got that printed. It comes to... Uh, 1150 pages <laughs> worth of text oh, oh, oh. that I wrote in a 7 month period, yeah. it was really phenomenal yeah. I basically existed through email and brief meetings and more email and brief meetings
2: yeah.
1: but this is a huge um, this is a period of time which ultimately is to do with uh, fear, survival um, and a wide variety of kind of super psyche characters, Um, you know like raw id characters that kind of play out through this period. And I was thinking about how I would even... Const- I mean, the aim is to write this in a fictional novel, which is is the project, basically. But I really need to go through this material with a fine-tooth comb to work out what I can cover. And I did this when I was 17 with the 1993 writing. I very much thought about there were a number of topics that I couldn't cover in that writing, that I completely avoided. There were fictionalised topics, there were various interactions and things that went on through that period which I removed, both from the Elan's writing and also the prior writing. And I think I came to a point through even listening to the discussion associated with these people on the piano that I realised that I'd come to a point in my life where I could actually focus on this. I don't have any academic writing in the near future as well. So, um, as we've described, I'm a relatively driven individual. I kind of assemble all this text together. It's winging its way to me currently. I have it in two volumes, one 700-odd pages, one 400 pages. I also have all the emails I sent for probably three years prior. There are only gaps in the U.S. because I had various computer failures and I thought I'd save the email. So I think I have enough material, actually, to generate quite an interesting and engaging Uh, fictional book, covering this period probably with some really strong, uh, well, some really strong analysis and this kind of stuff. So that project has really come from our our conversation last week, and I'd certainly like to thank you for the ability to go through through the kind of cathartic process uh, associated with that period, because I think what will come out of this, and I mean, we've talked about keeping pace or at least identifying it and maybe the continued project is, while I work through this stuff, maybe you can walk through some of your stuff and we can kind of um, use a kind of sparring partner metaphor uh, yeah. to work through all this stuff. And I think the ability to have components of this recorded and these kind of things will, will have benefit as well. So that was certainly um, the kind of work that I've done since our last recording, which was only last Thursday. So, I mean, really, we're only talking about yeah. four or five days. But I think certainly actively kind of talking about there are, there are still areas which I think are are going to be interesting to explore. And the point that I made is that my wife is the only kind of connecting person from that period. I do have probably half a dozen people I still communicate with occasionally. But my wife kind of came in towards the end of that period. And it's going to be interesting, actually, if she plays any role. I mean, I can cut it just just after i meet her and yep. i think that could be quite a logical cut
0: yeah right <laughs> but
1: yeah there's a lot of stuff going on through this thing but it, just to get the text out very cathartic i've got a l- not all the primary documents but i have a lot of the primary documents i think it could become an interesting work of fiction
0: hmm. well congratulations so That's a good place <laughs> to be in
1: I think so. I mean, I think the, um, the the parallels with the various stuff that's come out with WikiLeaks, and I've, we've already talked about my own particular views with regards to WikiLeaks, I think it's a lot of that's been reinforced through the recent stuff that's come out with Iraq. But the idea of just a vast amount of information that then has to be kind of gone through, partially redacted and then uh, produced into something um, is certainly something that I'm, I'm thinking about very strongly currently. It is amazing, actually, the amount of text that I produced through that period, Hmm. and it's really quite not necessarily upsetting. Well, I mean, I think it is. I think it's fundamentally upsetting that I produced so much stuff through that period, which hopefully in the future will be useful to someone, but certainly
0: why would you find it unsettling? I don't, I don't understand that. Well, because it wasn't
1: useful for me. I mean, it wasn't useful for me in the kind of near term. Well, I know, because I, you I, know, I, I would say that, that,
0: no, that you, that, I'd say that's not true. You did benefit from that. The act well, of writing it, uh, uh, yeah. changes you irrevocably.
1: Mm, well, this is writing to people. This is all, li- these are all it literally forces like.
0: forces you to, uh, to pick specific words, not of just of vague agree, ideas. You know, it forces can, you uh, into yeah. a way of thinking that has benefited you.
1: Yeah. No, I concur. I concur. And we're recording this in my library, and there is not a room in the house that I feel more benefited in than in my library. (laughs) So, no, I I can't disagree with you in this setting. Um, What I will say is that certainly my emotion and the experiences following that uh, reinforced to me that it wasn't immediately for my benefit, but I did actually... I mean, in terms of what I cultivated through that period of time for myself, in terms of noble life, in terms of my own writing, all these kind of things, yes, vastly <coughs> a net positive. But in terms of the actual life experience...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got you. I know, yeah. you know, it
1: wasn't fun. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think... this I, I agree with you. I genuinely think there is a lot of learning that can come out of that. The difficulty, particularly in this country, is that success... You see, both in Australia and the UK there is the notion of the well in the UK in particular of the plucky loser who is basically the kind of beaten up hero who you know who survives through it all in Australia.
0: well, that's to quite, a certain extent. Well, yeah, I mean, they used to. I'm not sure they do now.
1: That, that's my, but, that's yeah, my point. Yeah. It's very much a historical thing in, yeah. in the U.S. And in Australia, as we've discussed lightly, you know, there's the notion of the underdog yeah. as well. So I think um, it's going to be an interesting process. I think it's going to be extraordinarily cathartic, and um, I think it will probably yield some quite interesting fiction. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but, no, you've been certainly very instrumental in me actually getting to that point in my life. So certainly thanks to you, Harry.
0: Well, you're uh, welcome.
1: <laughs> so what else do I have to talk about?
0: You said uh, you had a whole list of things.
1: I do, I do. I'm just going down and I'm just going down them. So I wanted to talk about, um, I went back and listened repeatedly through the section associated with marriage from last week. You put a lot of new information out with regards to the discussions of marriage last week. Mm-hmm. And I think it left me a lot of food for thought. And certainly, um, so you raised this idea of domestic partnership. Being your, which isn't your words, it's, it's me. No, but that's, 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 a,
0: that's a decent one. Yeah.
1: So, this notion that basically you're sympathetic to the fact in the future of you having a domestic partner. Or more, not necessarily, necessarily all, just
0: one. It okay. could be multiple. Okay. Yeah. hmm. hmm. Well, maybe one's a starting point. Well, whatever. Maybe you know, I'm I, just saying, let's yep, not yep. limit ourselves. So, uh,. So there are various, there,
1: I guess, there are various visions associated with communal living and these kind of things. I mean, do you see yourself being um, like? I don't know. I don't know the. I don't I don't, know I how don't to really know
0: either. The, I don't see myself being anyway. All, all well, realized, that's the interesting thing. All I realize I mean, is saying. I'm open. To, that once I, once it became clear to me that if you get sex out of the equation, you have the possibility <laughs> of a stable relationship.
1: Can we explore that for a minute? Is that something know. that you're willing to talk about? Sure. Okay. So, what experiences associated with? I mean, I mean, what what experiences associated with sex specifically?
0: Oh, well, eventually it's been my experience in all of my love affairs, however many I've had, Mm -hmm. that uh, there came a point in the relationship where sex just uh, wasn't any fun anymore. Uh You know, I I started looking around or they'd started looking around or, um, and we may really like each other, but we weren't interested in sex with each other. And, mm-hmm. or usually probably it was me who wasn't interested in So you
1: speak about this in very general terms. Uh, I mean, when was your last, when was the last sexual relationship that you had?
0: Oh, it must be, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago.
1: Okay. So it was after you changed your name formally to Heron Stone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And how long was this relationship for? Um,
0: well, that would be... Uh, well that was again an odd relationship that was um well, I'll see which let me get let me think about this cuz no there that the last one i had actually was a, not a casual encounter but it was a one time thing uh-huh. it was a a friend um and, and the the sexual thing had been sort of hovering around the relationship and it got realized and it probably shouldn't have and we uh-huh. remained friends uh uh-huh. Prior to that was when I was married, and that was, you know, two years. But that was a, a really artificial situation anyway. So, I mean, we wouldn't even have been living together if um, if it wasn't for the, you know, the legal issue, you know, the green card stuff.
1: Certainly. And that was considerably more than 10 years ago, though, wasn't it?
0: That was, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of the past ten years, have there been circumstances where you could see yourself getting into a relationship oh, that you yeah. decided against it because oh, of the sexual thing? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, because of all sorts of things. Just because I'm old and ugly doesn't mean I'm interested in old ugly women.
1: <laughs> you know? Well, that's true. You I mean, I, so, so- I've seen photos of you, Heron. I don't think I think your self-deprecation is hiding something. Which I don't well, know let's just, just say women
0: used to come on to me all the time and they don't much anymore uh-huh. at least not the ones that I'm attracted to uh-huh. you know which are usually uh, young and attractive well actually it doesn't mean it's how old they are, but it's whether they're uh, healthy, attractive, inquisitive, intelligent uh-huh. uh, and hot for me <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know
1: so m- my father is I think even slightly older than you and he doesn't have any trouble. I don't think you would have any trouble either. I mean, oh, this I'm is sure the thing if, that's No, striking. your
0: father probably has more money than I have, too. That helps. No, not at all. Oh, okay, well, then it doesn't <laughs> have, have anything to do with it then. what he, No, it's. Okay, well, then, uh, yeah, you're probably right. If it was important to me, I could probably uh, get all the sex and all the women I wanted. No, but that's not the
1: point that I'm making. I mean, I, 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 yeah. let's not make light of this, Herr Heron. I think what I hear continuously, and particularly with the whole dissection associated with marriage, is not that. I mean, this is something that is heavily part of who you are. The whole description associated with sexuality, all the descriptions associated with the problems that it causes, the fact that you made a logical decision very early on in life that you weren't going to get married. But then when we were talking last week, you talked very positively about the potential in the future to be at least in well, some kind of domestic of, Yeah, Well, I
0: hadn't conceived of that as a part. To me, when I rejected marriage, that was sexual marriage. Mm. That was marriage in the standard, uh, you know, image. And I mm. realized that that would never do.
1: So your perspective of marriage, aside from your parents, has come from married friends that you've not? Well,
0: What's what living does, in the world. You know, your I think, perspective it, of marriage. Is, I think is, again, and I'm not trying to suggest that my way is the way everybody should live. I'm just saying, Clearly. this makes sense to me. I'm sure that there are people who really are designed for a monogamous, lifelong sexual relationship, and that they're, they can thrive in that environment, and mm-hmm. that's wonderful. I suspect that's probably less than one in a thousand people, but mm-hmm. but if you happen to be one of those people, you know, great. And, and I suspect there are a whole spectrum of of possibilities for human relationships. And I think, you know, we were just given a couple of off-the-shelf models by our culture. I agree. No, I'm, I, I look, there's, yeah.
1: there's no disagreement Yeah, I,
0: That's why I don't find it all that interesting to talk about, because I don't see it really as, a, as a, uh, a controversy or anything. My sense is if this makes sense to somebody, I think it, it's going to make sense to them immediately. That's why I, I thought it was worth articulating. Because so I think the, there are some people. Maybe maybe it's only one in a thousand, like the one, one in a thousand for monogamy. <laughs> maybe there's one in a thousand people like me out there.
1: Returning to this notion of domestic partnership, however, I mean I think this is something that you talk not as negatively as you do about sexual marriage, as you've described it. No,
0: I'd- well, calling it domestic, yeah. Labeling. What I really would you prefer to call it? I wouldn't, I'd prefer not to call it anything, actually. Okay. So? You know, a, a human relationship. A human relationship. A committed, okay. maybe a, a committed human relationship. To li- well, what we're talking about is living with somebody <laughs> and, and committing to living with them for your whole life. Mm. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, so...
0: And I haven't met anybody yet that I want to do that
1: with. <laughs> it is an interesting thing. I've counseled a few of my friends uh, with regards to points where, you know, they, they make the decision whether or not to marry someone. And it is an interesting phenomena because the perspective... Our, I'm sure there is something, I'm, unfortunately I'm, I'm not even am, an amateur student of psychology in this regard, but I'm sure there is something, there's some archetype of this marriage that a lot of people cling on to that represents something and it may re- even, it may represent their parents. I certainly found that when I was at university that when I talked to people about how they've met, you could typically see the kind of patterns that they would use in terms of dating and also the whole notion of associated with romance, dating, and marriage. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And Everybody I think knows the, the story. Mm, well, but everyone has a different interpretation of yeah, stories. Not, not it,
0: much. They're, the variations. No, the I, no
1: are... I disagree completely, Heron. I mean, okay. I think what I found through, I mean, if you talk to, okay, so the fact that I lived. Uh, We haven't really explored my living on campus, but when I lived on campus, because my mother was a diplomat, I would have normally, although it, it dried up relatively quickly, certain amount of my time paid for to live on campus, which would be effectively similar to a dorm in the U.S., the people that I lived with, I thought, oh, I'll find something that I don't know, which is my whole history. That's how I started studying physics and philosophy, a wide variety of other factors. So I did the same with regard, maybe at this period of time I was in my life. So I had never had any real exposure to Catholicism. I'd never had any real exposure to folks who lived in country Australia. So I decided on going and living in a what turned out to be a conservative Catholic college that was run by nuns. I lived there for two years of my life, and it's very difficult even me to talk about these experiences because I met some really strange language monkeys over that time, to <laughs> use a, um, a a term that will not be used. Um, and, and very, very curious psychologies and really oh. quite fascinating. Now, see, there's terms... the book. <laughs> well, no, this is the book which I really would have great difficulty writing. I'm still deconstructing myself. I found it very disturbing, mainly because... I, there was a, there was a girl, okay, I will, no, I will talk about this publicly. There was a girl who I spent, a woman who I spent a lot of time with over that period, who had been profoundly sexually abused by her father. And she had a very strong, I was 18, 19 at the time. And uh, she spent about a year with me to the point where everyone, including my family, thought we were (laughs) boyfriends. Friend and girlfriend but this girl was just so heavily screwed up and ironically when i told my father this he had met her father and immediately knew exactly what i was saying i'm not going to give any details associated with more than that i think currently because these people are real and they but um uh it really impacted on me very strongly that period because i realized that uh and this is advice that I've given to, for example, my workmate who's getting divorced, who's now divorced, that you can't, irrespective of the way someone looks and someone acts, there may be some very dicey psychology underlying yeah. all of that.
0: But isn't there uh, almost always? I mean, yeah. it's it me that it, you ought to be l- assume that that's there. Well, well, that's the way you look at the world. That's the way I, I look her. You're right, it is. And so far. <laughs> I would say well, that's that self- pretty but, accurate. It's, it's a good thing. Ben- uh, except it's uh, I mean let's let's explore this a little bit more, Herod. It's it's pretty
1: accurate if you don't actually go out there and interact. I mean it's it becomes a kind of self-truth if you don't actually go out there, give people occasionally the benefit of the doubt Listen, and interact. I, and I think what
0: I haven't always been a hermit. I understand that uh, you know, I, I understand have spent that. a fair amount of time in, in the world. Probably more time in the world than you have. Clearly. So uh, don't, Clearly. don't lay that thing on me.
1: I'm not laying that thing on you, Heron. I'm not laying that thing on you. I will say, however, the point you are currently and the way that you speak, currently, I think...
0: Uh, well, I think that's a fair think- assessment, that, that the vast majority of humans are sitting on top of a deep, uh, unconscious assumptions about all sorts of things that are contradictory and, and that they just ignore because it makes them nervous to think about it and, uh, and that that stuff is just under the surface of a great many people, certainly the majority of humans. I don't well, the know majority the, of South Californians. Let me just say that.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, but, yeah okay. Um, irrespective, I think, in terms of, well incest which is basically what the, the terminology is that that is a very different thing that impacts only as thankfully a small portion of yeah. the population yeah so i think there are various levels associated with well, they're all with it. yeah
0: yeah i'm not suggesting that everybody is has equal trauma
1: <laughs> yeah true so anyway
0: um but i think uh, most people are pathological really You know, it's just under the way the the way their world is, uh, you know, uh, structured as none of those buttons get pushed or at least not very often. And uh, and they usually can come back on track. But I think you take most people and uh, you push the wrong buttons at the wrong time and they're capable of damn near anything.
1: Clearly. Clearly. That doesn't mean uh, that I guess I guess
0: whilst. But well, when you're going to marry true. somebody, you're going to run into that. Too well.
1: You see, I the, the point about it is that all humans can be animals in particular circumstances, and that's actually. You see, sometimes that can also work to your benefit, Heron. Oh, yes. I mean, I be. don't if think that that, that, that truism that, is... Yeah,
0: yeah that, that yeah. can help each other work through that kind of stuff. It can be a great benefit, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that the, the
1: notion of human fallibility and embracing the fallibility of humanity, I think, is also something which is important to acknowledge. I don't think you've rejected the fallibility of humanity, no, I accept what it saying. exactly.
0: No, that's exactly the point. It's there. Deal with it. You know? it's Most yeah. people go in. You know, I, I think of this in the way I buy cars, is that I, I go around and try and find everything that's wrong with a car, and then I buy the car that has the least wrong with it. And that way I have nothing but pleasant surprises. Whereas people who go around and buy the car they like the most, then they go home Mm. and they all of a sudden start discovering little things that they don't like about it.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, I I would agree that uh, in an approach to marriage, one needs to find the person with the least well, you need you need to keep you. need to be conscious of what you're doing. Yes, you need to be so conscious need to very conscious of yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and if yeah. you're conscious of what you're doing, yeah, almost the rest is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can use so it. the reason,
1: yeah, retracting this conversation because I have now actually returned to the reason that we were talking about my two first two years of university in this bizarre Catholic college was the notion that I met a lot of people that weren't selected. Well, they were selected for me and a lot of their religious beliefs and various other things, but they weren't a group that I had personally selected, nor... I mean, my experience up until that time with formal education, these kind of things, was that I was thrust together with a wide variety of people that I had no selection of. But with this group, at least, we were all roughly the same age, and it was acceptable for me to ask various questions associated with how their parents had met and these kind of... Things. So, I th- returning to this, the original point that we were discussing... This notion of marriage as a kind of archetype of one's own psychology, in terms of the experiences up until this point, I guess. I mean, Maybe my the approach, traditional marriage. No, I mean, marriage is a per, is a personal concept that one embraces or chooses not to embrace, or has a vision associated with. i.e. what you see as marriage being versus what I see marriage as being. You see what I'm saying? Okay.
0: Uh, okay. Well, but then we're not talking – again, we're just talking about the word marriage. You mean – No,
1: no, 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 no. No, we're not. We're not at all because the word marriage for me means something completely different than the word marriage for you.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. So when you use the word marriage, uh, that's what I'm asking. Which one are we talking about?
1: Well, we're exploring the word marriage for you because we've not – touched
0: on the word marriage Okay, but i didn't use the like word marriage See, i don't care about the word marriage marriage to me brings in all sorts of legal issues and the state exactly. of california we and talked, licenses. About something else.
1: We talked about the notion of, of union relationships human relationships, you like human oh, relationships. I, I was talking, about, talking about, about living about with somebody for the rest
0: in a committed exactly, relationship
1: for the rest of your life yeah okay. so that's a permanent Yes. Okay. That,
0: well, it's a commitment to that. Yeah. Whether you can do it or not, we'll see. That's another
1: okay. issue. So, what term could we use to describe this thing? Since marriage is not acceptable. Well, to I you. just said it.
0: It's a lifelong committed uh, relationship to live with somebody. I don't. I don't see why we need to give it a word. Okay. You know. So, give it a word. I don't care if you want to give it a word. Marriage too. Marriage one okay. is the traditional marriage. Marriage two is the... But I don't see this as marriage. I don't think the word marriage even comes close to to being a reasonable word for this kind of relationship. It's like okay. the, the, the members of a monastery, the people who join a monastery. What kind of... what? How do you describe their relationship?
1: Well, it's a monastic. Okay. I mean... Monastic monastery, I think the word's there. Okay, well, maybe I guess, that's
0: it. It's a monastic relationship.
1: Okay, a monastic relationship.
0: So I guess the thing
1: that I caught through our discussion last week was the realization on your own part, which we hadn't really come up until that point. When we first started talking about this and also the degree of candor that you've given other people that you've talked to in the past, The notion of this... I mean, you have occasionally said that in a non-sexual case you could see yourself having a monastic relationship. But I think what you described, what you outlined in our last conversation was almost a blueprint for this happening, which you hadn't described up until that point. And I think the thing that interested me was that there were potential, not even necessarily hierarchies... But there was some potential, for example, of you living with a married couple.
0: Not or, if they're having or, sex. <laughs> okay. So,
1: okay. So you couldn't, okay. So I guess my question about it was your I mean, role
0: they, in this. You know, a lot of married couples uh, don't have sex. I mean, it's quite common. I don't know what the percentage is. probably more than mm-hmm. 20 or 30% at mm-hmm. least after, say, 20 mm-hmm. years. Uh, if yeah. that was the case, then, yeah, it would be, be okay.
1: Okay. I guess I, my question really is what is your – I mean you see your role as being an equal with these other persons or people or what have you. But, I mean, is there a, is there a potential for you to be there as like a lifelong teacher or something like that?
0: That's really going to just depend on the people. The, okay. the, the issue is do I want to spend my life supporting and living with this person because I love – Care for and am committed to them so much that I want to and enjoy being with them, that mm-hmm. I want to live with them for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's the issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, with how that relationship develops, probably teacher wouldn't be a good idea because I mean, if a student's worth anything, they leave the teacher. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? No, I, I agree. I agree. I guess I'm trying to understand. Okay, so um, potentially maybe a slight tangent to this topic. When we first started talking, however uh, many months ago we started talking, you mentioned your son. Have you spent time with your son over this period?
0: No, we've only talked maybe three or four times now. And okay. And I've put it clearly in, I mean, I made it really clear, and I think that was what he wanted is that I'm not going to push it. Mm-hmm. and uh, and i've made it clear that i'm open and available and um i haven't heard from him in several months mm-hmm. and uh you know i think about it and i i really would like to uh, have a relationship with him but i've already told him that and it's i told him it's up to him so uh, mm-hmm. basically unless something really dramatic changes i'm just going to go on with my life
1: mm. and you mentioned also that you'd had some communication with his girlfriend
0: yeah, that was how it all got started. Okay. That was
1: did fun. his girlfriend contact you, or did you? Yeah, come no, to, uh, she
0: contacted me out of the blue. That was a great, fun evening. <laughs> Some, she called me. She sent me. I got an email from her saying, "Are you Dennis Horn?" And I changed my name in 1995, so I don't get uh-huh. very many things like that. So I said yes, and she said, "Oh, you know, you really changed my life." And she wouldn't tell me how, so I figured it was just somebody who heard me talking about language or something and just happened to, <laughs> to really get it, you know, she, because I have gotten emails like that from people who have, mm-hmm. you know, changed their life because they heard something on one of the podcasts, you know. So, you know, but she was very mysterious and wouldn't explain anything. She just, and was she was very excited, and we talked on Skype for about an hour, and she finally... Uh, told me why I had changed her life, because I was the father of her boyfriend. Mm. uh, So
1: So you have her Skype. I mean, you didn't publish that, I'm assuming, in your audio. No. No. Have you spoken to her
0: since? Um, Once. But she's sort of that. They they are no longer together, so she's sort of out of the oh, okay.
1: picture. Okay, okay, now.
0: okay. And 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 plus, well, it's a long story, so I'm not sure <laughs> it's, you know how instructive it would be to anybody else. You know.
1: Well, I mean, I have the time if you want to tell it. If you don't oh, want to well, tell no, it, we can it, move
0: on. It just doesn't. I don't think there's anything of any value for somebody else to get from this story. I can get the catharsis of telling a good story, but. You know, I don't think there's any lesson there for anybody to take. Well, I would
1: have thought that about the whole notion of some idiots burning a piano, and it's had amazing (laughs) classes (laughs) in (laughs) my And I want to point out as well, your response, I mean, the whole thing associated with last week, similarly tonight, actually, because I have to get up really early tomorrow morning, but I'm very conscious of the stuff going on around me as well, which is exactly right, and you, you put it out very very well when we last spoke that uh you know i there needs to be a certain degree of respect with regards to these uh these conversations i mean if you feel that there's benefit in you telling the story
0: by all means tell the story yeah no i don't see any benefit it's just i mean it was just being self-indulgent i mean i like to tell stories and and Mm -hmm. and i could you know turn this into 20 minutes of but uh, there's really nothing there it's just a story you know?
1: Well, except I think, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I yeah. mean, if that's the way you feel Well, about well
0: it. Well, what can I say? Um, she started the whole thing off. I had no knowledge that anyone was out there. I mean, I knew he was there. I I, I had seen his Facebook page, but I wasn't going to make contact.
1: How do you see someone's Facebook page, Herrick?
0: I knew his name.
1: So you went looking for him?
0: Yeah. So I knew who he was. I knew what he looked like. Yeah. But I hadn't made any contact with him.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Is this the kind of thing where you think you'd annoy him if you got in contact with him again? Or you've made a verbal commitment No, I had never
0: been in contact with him.
1: You have now, though. That's my point.
0: Oh, now, well, because now we've talked maybe, like I say, three or maybe four times. And, um he still has some emotional stuff to go through, I guess. Um, he's not ready to actually start a relationship, you know, for, for whatever reason. And I've made it clear to him that I'm available to him anytime he wants to talk and and that I'm looking forward to having a relationship with him. I've used the exact words. And he said, yes, I understand that. Thank you. And I haven't heard from him in two months. So I, um, I'm assuming he's not ready <laughs> for this yet, which is probably right. I'm a, you know, I'm a troublemaker. Maybe, maybe he senses that he doesn't want a disruptive influence like me in his life right now. He's a pretty smart guy and a pretty intuitive guy, I think. And I think maybe that's, he's, maybe he's right. So
1: for folks, I mean, as I listen to this, Hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to the notion of you being a troublemaker, Heron, but maybe not in the same way that you are. I, so I have very distinct
0: of- epistemological opinions about things that go deep. And he is a philosopher. He thinks about the same kinds of things. And um, he's young enough to be malleable, and I don't think it's up to me to go in... And uh, try to ma- mally him, <laughs> which is probably what I'd try to do, you know,
1: yeah, give him the benefit be... of my learning, you know. But you've already done that. I mean, you sent your – I've not seen your diaries. Yes, We've been no, talking yeah, yeah, for yeah, and, I months I haven't heard and anything not seen enough. a word. <laughs> and
0: I've got – no, no. And I don't even know if he's looked at it. I've well, that's exactly no, my point. But I've I mean, obviously, no. no like I can say what I've done is is made it as clear to him as possible that I'm open to a relationship, and that if he wants a relationship, he's going to have to do it, and I'm comfortable with that.
1: So you're writing over you're writing the um, eleven. It's, it's 14,000 pages. Right the 14000 pages is basically something that is very important to you no,
0: in terms 14, of 14000 pages of written notes well the, whether it's important to me is is a, a completely separate issue you know it's there would you say it was important to you um I don't even know what the word I means anymore. We've been through this. You know, you know okay, certainly so, I respond to the – you know, I mean, I could certainly say yes. it's very important to me. But another part of me could say, you know, I really don't give a shit.
1: Well, but if you didn't give a shit, you wouldn't mention it, and you'd certainly have destroyed no, it. No, that and, part, I mean, I, well, there are plenty of times
0: when I don't mention it. And there are some times uh, when I do mention it. When I do mention it, that's the part of me that thinks it's important. But it's also
1: important in the context of communicating with people that write things down and that work on the written word and go out and yeah, seek out publishers. Yeah, I, and and I was aware of, of that things.
0: all along—that it might be a useful document for some sociologist a couple centuries from now.
1: Well, I mean, but you mean you think it's sufficiently useful that you'll mention it in a number of people's company and also present it to your son as being something which to you, uh, I you didn't
0: give it to. Give you. It to you. I sent it to him because I did it as a gesture of being open to him.
1: Exactly, because it describes you. So well, if you you be wanted... adding all these becauses to it, but that's your addition. <laughs> well, okay, if you, you, want, you wouldn't have given it to him if it didn't represent
0: something that you felt well, was a you to your... you to have that logical connection between what I do, then go ahead. I don't think like that, but...
1: So I'm... why did you give it to him?
0: I told you it's a gesture of uh of self disclosure.
1: Okay. So self disclosure means th- that there is a self to disclose.
0: Well it means there are these writings and they came out of this thing called Dennis at the time and then Heron later on. And there they are. And you make out of it what you will.
1: Well, you make a lot out of it, Tara. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the that well,
1: I mean, it just seems curious to me that you're saying that I am in some way twisting something that you have given your son as a representation of something, which
0: is you. Well, again, you know, this con- the whole concept of identity is something that you know is not easy to talk about, and we haven't
1: understand that. I understand that, um, I understand um, that. Um, but, uh, but I think. Uh, what you have done is you've presented your son something that you produced.
0: I've, I've presented my son that what? Something that...
1: With something that you have produced over a okay, long yeah, period of time. Need,
0: yeah, again, you... Uh, yeah, again, it was produced by the hand of this thing that I'm in right now. Exactly. So, yes, if you want to use the word you to describe that, I'll accept that for you know, sort of normal <laughs> English usage, yes. So,
1: again, the purpose of passing it on to your son was something,
0: wasn't it? I already explained that.
1: Well, you explained it, and when I say it, you say, no, it's not that. No, I so said, I'm you I, said I did it,
0: it as a gesture of self-disclosure and a, a sort of opening move um, for us to get to know one another. You know, to begin a is relationship. Is it
1: part of this idea of, is it part of this idea of Heron being a troublemaker? Hmm?
0: No. You
1: you describe yourself as being very philosophically and intellectually driven, associated with particular ideas, which can possibly be embodied in this writing. Possibly. Uh,
0: well, it's a lot of it's in there. <laughs> Good luck trying to weed it out.
1: <laughs> well, that's but irrespective of that. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this previously. Yeah. I've said to you maybe it might be an idea to weed it out. Well, and maybe, you said, but it is is not, it is. Gonna,
0: it's not going to be me.
1: <laughs> exactly. Which is in itself very curious. I mean, I think the way in which... I mean, for other reasons, I understand exactly this notion of self and problems of self and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think what interests me is that you want something to come out of this, uh, whether whether it's the 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 flesh or the rising. I writing want something to I come have.
0: out of my life. I want my life exactly. to make a difference. So now, actually, it already has made more of a difference than I could have anticipated when I was younger thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. So that's part of why I'm not quite so motivated in that I've already achieved more than I had hoped to. So, you know, I'm not all that driven (laughs) to do something anymore. I mean, I am. I still want to think I could do more, but I'm fairly comfortable where I am, so I don't have that driven quality to... To become, you know, to push these ideas into something, you know, into some package. I mean, really, I do want to do that. But, um, <laughs> it there's, you know, I'm not in any rush to do it. And I just, I just feel that it'll come in its proper time. I have work to do. Because I can't, I can't package it yet.
1: So. You're leaving me with an interesting point here, Heron. Because I I could leave this No, 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 no. Well, no, because I could leave this topic at this point. Or we've kind of continued to press on. But I'm getting a certain degree, I'm feeling a certain degree of pushback because basically what you're saying is A and not A but not A not currently, but not A in the future, but A. A and not A and this is kind of a theme that has gone through this discussion. So I don't know whether I push it more or whether we just return to it at another day.
0: Well, do what you want. I, I don't know. It's not. I mean, I couldn't follow what you just said. So if you could follow that, maybe you can. <laughs> well, what you said is you, what you said is
1: this writing is not me, but this writing represents me. But
0: no, I didn't so say I'm any rep- of that stuff. Out, I didn't but... say any of those words. You're <laughs> paraphrasing me. I said I wrote that stuff.
1: Yes. Well, you didn't, no, you know, you said I have problems with the word I. I'm not clear. This writing... Yeah, well, that's, a separ- you-
0: yeah, that's another issue. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so, Aaron. I mean, look,
1: uh, yeah. go back and re-listen to this, because I've actually been, you mm-hmm. know, taking right. pause and noting these okay.
0: things.
1: Okay, go ahead. So there are a whole lot of internal contradictions there, Aaron. Okay, if you want to go right. back and re-listen, right. right. please do. Well, just-
0: let me make a statement then, just for, in simple English, even though I don't really approve of saying it this way, but for the purposes of this argument, I will say I wrote that stuff. Okay. All right, and... So does that change anything?
1: Well, that's the first part of a whole series of things that have kind of ebbed and flowed in this conversation.
0: Uh-huh. But I mean, but does that I, I mean change your perspective? I mean, is that something you wanted me to say? That I wrote well, that. Kind stuff? of
1: 20, 20, 30 minutes ago. That would have been the point to say that. Okay, I but think but there's I'm been a lot of additional now. stuff
0: since. That. Okay. Okay. But, so I'm saying it now. I wrote that stuff. Even though, like I say, I'm not quite sure what the word I refers to in that sentence.
1: Okay. (laughs) So in this purpose, I think there's more that we could do, but quite frankly, I'd I'd like to talk on another topic now, if that's okay.
0: Okay, yeah, great.
1: Okay. So another interesting thing that came through the discussion with Susanna is the idea of medicine and your view about what what will happen in the future, and internally from your Facebook posts and uh, the kind of narrative associated with Kurzweil AI and these kind of things, I, your description of medicine seems to come very strongly through a kind of H-plus uh, ongoing discussion associated with the future of humanity in the context of medicine. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of frame that a little bit better than I've been able to?
0: Uh, no, I just think that's all real interesting stuff. I don't have any particular beliefs or scenarios that I think is the way it's actually... No, done. but
1: well, you make very serious claims associated with that. I mean, certainly with Susanna, you make very serious say? claims about what is going to occur in the next 30 years. Oh, and you think oh that the I say all sorts, sorts of shit. Yeah. years
0: Well, that's what I think. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. I'm okay, certain, so
1: you j- that's gonna... exactly the point that I'm making. Yeah. Okay. So from this, what comes through is that the only oh, you're talking about the immortality
0: I stuff. We were, I think we were mm-hmm. talking about that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly that's a possibility. I don't know what the actual odds are, you know. <laughs> do you think about contemporary medicine at all? Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot more recently. <laughs> <Since> I've, never, <laughs> since I've never had anything to do with a doctor at all in the last, like, 50 years. So, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm probably going to have uh, spinal surgery in the next few months. Mm. You know, that's going to be real interesting. But mm. the potential uh, is to actually solve all of my uh, back and vein problems. Mm. You know, it's just very simple that the, the openings through which the nerves exit the spine to the various places in the legs, uh, the opening is closing up. And it's putting pressure on the nerves, mm. and they can simply go in and ream it out. Mm. You know, I mean, it's very delicate, but it's not rocket science. It's just go in and ream it out. Mm. But it would mean—I mean—that's heavy-duty surgery. <laughs> so, certainly, you know, that's got me thinking a little bit.
1: <laughs> in terms of the near-death experiences that you talked about. Um, I mean, the people I know who are or even of my age group, my wife included, actually, who've had car accidents, have had longstanding and just ongoing back-related issues. In terms of your near-death experiences, I mean, do they relate to things that have caused you actual bodily injuries?
0: No, no, I never. Uh, I've been in a couple accidents where they were minor things, and uh, no. yeah. I guess
1: my my perspective. I mean, I've talked with an H plus woman on Biota, um, and I've you know I, I read some of the same stuff that you read, uh, and I think the strike the thing that strikes me about modern medicine. In fact, someone I want to integrate in the um, Stone Ape recordings is a, uh, a uh, what would you call them? I don't know. They they work at a, a pharmaceutical company anyway. Because I'm absolutely fascinated by modern day uh, pharmaceutical companies and also not only the strange political bedfellows, but this notion of treatments versus cures, which I think is a very strange circumstance that kind of corporate medicine finds itself in. it is probably better to treat something and create. A, we a don't want to cure it.
0: Hell no! You don't definitely don't want to. That's cure exactly
1: it. the point that I'm saying. <laughs> right. that's, Hell that's exactly no. the point that I'm saying. Just
0: like that's why the gurus yeah. don't want their students to get enlightened.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, this is exactly the point that I'm making, and I think this is the thing that prof- I find profoundly disturbing. And also, I'm interested in getting the underlying psychology. I have.
0: But it's just isn't that you know, really if, just capitalism? I mean, that's what do you expect? You know, you well, put a bunch of language m- monkeys, it, sorry, it, in charge of a capitalist system and then you're gonna whine about the fact that they're ripping no, people no, I'm off. Not the,
1: no, 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 Aaron, Harren, Harren, Our project here is to create the future. <laughs> and the way that we create the future is by understanding how we can change ah, whatever's going on ah, currently to ah, get where we want ah, to be. Well, it's not, it's the not about the way. Planning. No,
0: it's not about the way. It's about a way. Please, it's it's one well, of the processes that would be helpful. There are a number of processes that don't require any knowledge of the butter or the caterpillar at all. You know, it's just there are many jobs here, and I have no quarrel with yours, but it's just uh, th- that. Yeah, analysis of the old system and why it doesn't work, for me, just seems like an utter waste of time. It's clear. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, I know know we have. I know. And uh, now we're having it again.
1: (laughs) I guess my concern is that if you don't... What, what divides us from the others if we don't have some understanding? Well, I mean, do, we do just sit around and, wait have, and no, the why,
0: why do you and I have to have the same understanding? Why can't we all work together? You have, you know, some. We can't all do everything. We have to pick. I understand that. Understand.
1: I'm not arguing that we should. I'm arguing oh, okay. that rather than us doing everything, maybe some of us should file a mate and find talking points associated with certain things. The one thing that I'm pretty clear on is that the future that makes itself can follow, you know, there are, there are points, distinct paradigm shifts and these kind of things, but I'm, I'm against McKenna in that regard, which is actually quite curious. I think the frequency of paradigm shifts is actually slowing down, not speeding up. And I think this may actually go against your views as well. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think it. Yeah, I don't. I think it's really small right now. I think, you know, like I say, it may be one less than two percent, probably. So, mm. but I think uh, I think history is on my side. I think you will see that curve begin to take off over the next thirty to fifty years. I think it's. But that's exactly what I'm arguing paradigm.
1: against. Yeah, This know, is, This is what I'm arguing against. I know. That you actually- are. Yeah, but, but see, so. I'm not
0: interested in your arguments for the fact that you are, are against it. It's just irrelevant to me, because I know that those are all true too. You know, it, it's not about either or. It's, it's not. There's nothing you can say that's going to change my opinion about about what I'm doing in that domain. You're 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 giving me an explanation. This is like that discovery and. Uh, and invention domains, you're giving me an argument in another domain, and it just doesn't hold any water where I'm at.
1: Uh, I wish well, I could I would, say that
0: more clearly. I'm sorry. It, it's, yeah. I,
1: I would agree. But I think the uh, the respect that one has for the ability to have disagreement doesn't mean that one stops the other from exploring. Um, I mean, the.
0: Well, it depends on what the conversation is about, then, I I guess. I guess the
1: notion is that um, I've come to a lot of things where I've had to do a lot of. Is this all you're saying? Is this all you're saying? Really? I don't need to know this? Is this all you're saying? And then it comes.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And my concern is that if you have a. Is this all you're saying? Right. I'm just not listening now. (laughs) <laughs> then you miss out the actual learning that's required after the uh, you know whatever that, that's is going. on. It's entirely
0: possible. I will own that that is entirely possible. But my experience in life has been that I'm usually right. Uh, but of course, well, it it's self yeah. selected Yes, of course I mean, it's it is. But then, but, that's, <laughs> but then that's kind of obviously true for all of us. Then isn't it?
1: No, because what you do is if you move, if you, if you if you allow a threshold which you've cultivated and we're going to maintain then you will find yourself being always right but this is the same thing that creates ideas like xenophobia and a wide variety you know, of other the things thing is if I you don't remain expose-
0: open to no, listen, the, listen I've given you a lot more leeway in the past than I'm giving you now because I haven't heard your, your stories yet I've heard them now okay so i'm beginning to get to have a different relationship to, to to what we had so don't tell me i'm not open because i am i do listen to people for a long time and let them say whatever the hell they want to say so you know i have conversations all the time with people and and i don't have any problem with that um
1: so we were talking about medicine heron we were talking about Treatment versus cure, which is something that you agree well, that's with That's a me
0: linguistic on. problem. That's not a medical, but that's that's linguistics.
1: Anyway, moving yeah. from moving from that, the point that I was making is that I think there are there are ideas, there is a, a perspective which could motivate potentially a way of changing things. Which you Can we say that
0: again. Say it again, please.
1: I'm saying that what interests me about this notion of treatments rather than cures, is that while I agree with you that this is the nature of the capitalist system that we are in currently, I think there are methods, methods, uh, perhaps different approaches, that could actually change that thing. I don't think it's a well, given that the way we who? are...
0: You're saying so the advertisers would stop saying that and start talking about uh, cures or well I mean, the thing that interests that even, me and I, mean? don't, yeah. I don't i don't have the full perspective i'm i'm
1: in, still in and i'm interested in hearing what it's like on the ground within these pharmaceutical companies to get a perspective of what is actually uh, going on in terms of these things with the view that there are and this is what i mean we talked about whether they're
0: consciously evil or whether they're dupes of their own <laughs> their own stories
1: well i mean again you've taken
0: two negatives i don't think it necessarily needs really?
1: To be tuned. I want to get a perspective of what it's actually like on the ground, and then understand from my perspective where this thing, as I perceive it, is just about treatments rather than cures.
0: Well, that sounds like a good project.
1: That was saying here, and you were talking about the fact that we don't need to do these kind of things. And the whole. Well, no, I don't need to.
0: Basically. You need to apparently. <laughs> that's exactly and the point that I was you. making. Yes, and you
1: should. That go is ahead exactly with that. the point
0: that I was making. Yeah, that'll be one. That more was all the point that do. I was making. Okay, and you'll never have time so, for anything else.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you've argued that with me, and but I don't think that's necessarily the case. No, I think not, time.
0: I'm just playing with you, actually. I
1: understand. So, <laughs> um, anyway. So I think that's an interesting project and one that I would like to explore further uh, through these what hoardings. Oh,
0: okay. So what do you want to invite somebody from the pharmaceutical industry to talk? That would be interesting.
1: Well, for example, I have a friend who is an Aboriginal linguist. And from our last discussion associated with the history of the Aboriginal people, I thought she was an ideal fit to bring on and have a chat about that very topic. And I think similarly, there are people who I know oh, in the pharmaceutical The
0: topic industry. of cure versus treatment? No,
1: the topic of uh, the Aboriginal <laughs> side oh. of things. <laughs> Similar to that, I have friends that work in the pharmaceutical industry that I know through other aspects. And I think they would be interesting to have on to, uh, to explore yeah. the pharmaceutical issue. Yeah. So I think what I'm interested that in cultivating these yeah.
0: Stone Age. Are they in is, a position to be, I mean, are they in positions where they're having to do with policy and direction setting, or are they just salespeople? Or?
1: They're not salespeople, although I have friends of the salespeople as well that I could call upon yeah. to do that aspect, well, but they're not it, salespeople.
0: Yeah. Okay, so these are people so, who are in a position to actually shift the way the company works.
1: Well, at least give a degree of understanding yeah. to the intimacies yeah. of the yeah. company. And they, and they so,
0: understand it, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: yeah. yeah. So, so I think these are interesting projects. Exactly. And that's, that was the point I was making, Kara. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so anyway, I think you've, you've left a lot of food for thought here. Uh, and I don't have any other topics, uh, Maybe aside from the through fa-
0: your whole list. No, no,
1: there were a few that that I just thought, I mean, the the nature, I I saw a statistic that $2 billion of political money was put into old media in this uh, election cycle, Uh, which was just a follow-up from what we were talking about. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about bad experiences relating to sexuality, but I think after the marriage discussion, there's a lot of additional stuff, and I didn't really think that that was applicable.
0: Ah. See, but the... Where you got the idea about bad experiences related to sexuality is beyond me, <laughs> because that that is your invention.
1: <laughs> no, it is very much so. Okay. No, exactly. All that right. wasn't, that wasn't, it wasn't relating to our – but it led into some of the discussion last week associated with – uh, these things and certainly anyway so that was the topic that i wanted to but i, I won't cover tonight oh, okay. um WikiLeaks was something that i wanted to talk about but we've kind of talked about ad nauseum previously oh. and aside from that they were all the topics that i wanted to cover so oh. you're right i did start with a longer list and i have kind of self-sense some of them but i think oh, yes. we've certainly um we've covered enough i think this evening heron
0: yeah i did pretty good considering i'm about ready to pass out it's- I've had a cold yeah, you, you for don't... two days, and um, yeah, and I, it's a really weird one. Um, I, I don't know if it's just getting old or or what, but it's it's. Um, although you probably heard me, I've coughed a couple of times, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. not been that much of an inconvenience. But it's like I just ache all over. I, I, I guess mm-hmm. that's one of the f- symptoms that people get. Is that I guess the the virus is. Spread throughout the body and the muscles, and it's Mm -hmm. just all over the place, and just leads to a sort of general stiffness and soreness. Mm -hmm. And boy, what a drag that is dealing with that all day. Amen. So, uh, although I can feel that it's it's breaking up a little bit now, so hopefully Mm -hmm. by tomorrow it will be. Oh, and I do have one more thing. I just bought a couple of two terabyte drives for a total Mm -hmm. of a hundred. No, $293, I think. They're extraordinarily cheap. For two external USB 2-terabyte drives. Mm-hmm. That is just a miracle. <laughs> you know, that is that is just a miracle.
1: Yes. I felt the same way when I bought my first terabyte drive. God. It was just extraordinary. We still haven't... I mean, we use it for all our backing up. I think where we've had it for... Maybe two years now, and yeah. I think we're at about forty <laughs> yeah. percent. And my wife takes high-resolution digital photography. I mean, she yeah. takes thousands yeah. of digital yeah. photographs yeah. at high resolution. So, yeah, yeah it's just—it's just, it's just it a really miracle,
0: is. you know. It's just, and it's just going to get better. <laughs> you know, it's just—it's uh, amazing. So that's all. Just uh, look, I, I'm looking. I'm going to. It's going to be here tomorrow morning, and then I, I can. Uh, I won't have to worry about memory for. A while.
1: <laughs> well, I hope you get better, Heron. Rest me, up.
0: Me too. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly where you're
1: coming from, and it is miserable. And uh, I think it may have framed some of the time of this conversation. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling for you, my friend. So, yes, if Look I if yourself. I seemed
0: a little irritable tonight, it's because I am.
1: <laughs> very good, very good. Embrace your irritability, Aaron. It's produced a lot of interesting turns this evening.
0: Okay. I'll talk to you
2: soon. You take care. Good, good night. night.